We'll be in Psalm 126, one more night tonight, Psalm 126, finishing out the study uh, that we have been doing for a couple of Wednesdays now on bearing precious seed, bearing precious seed, Psalm 126, and when you found it, if you would, stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 126, and uh, as we've done the last couple of weeks, I want to go ahead and read this one together in unison Uh, If we could. Psalm 126, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Father, I pray that as we turn our attention now to your word, Father, help us to intentionally allow your Holy Spirit to take your word and to change our hearts tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, we've been going over this for a couple of weeks, but Psalm 126 is a psalm that celebrates salvation. The context is the end of the Jewish captivity in Babylon. God had saved them and set them free. And so this was a song that the Jews would sing every year as they traveled to Jerusalem for the feast, reminding themselves of the great things that God had done. Verses 1 and 2 are indication of that. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. We saw the first week in our study how our great redemption is something that we cannot stop praising God for. Our great redemption is something that that we cannot afford to get over or forget. Last week we really focused in on verse number 4 and talked about that while we are grateful for what God has done... The reality is we ought to be asking him to do the same for others. Verse number four reminds us, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And the reality is this, church, that that God is the one that saves souls. Amen? That God is the one that unblinds eyes. God is the one that breaks the hold of Satan. We need God to do the work. And so we need to ask him. And so we saw our great... Redemption. And then we saw our great request. You know, I do still believe, church, that God desires to save souls. Amen? Amen. I still believe that God desires to pour out His power and blessing on His people. And when we consider our great request, really what our great request does is it demonstrates our great reliance on God. Tonight I want to finish the study by looking at the last two verses of this psalm. Verses 5 and 6. 
So we've considered bearing precious seed our great redemption. We've considered bearing precious seed our great request. But finally tonight as we bring this study to a close, I'd like for us to consider bearing precious seed our great responsibility. Let's look at these verses together, beginning in verse number 5. The psalmist says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want you to consider with me first of all tonight as we consider our great responsibility. Number one, we find here a clear picture of purpose. A clear picture of purpose. We have here finally the picture of the sower and his precious seed. And the sower, it stands to reason, goes forth to sow the seed because the sower desires a harvest. I'm going to tell you, there really is very little good in asking for the nourishing water of verse 4 if we're not willing to put the seed in the ground for it to be nourished. And so we see, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, to make it very practical, let me point this out. Verse number 5, we are introduced to they. By way of application, we have to understand that God calls us as the church to be the they that goes forth and sows the seed. In verse number 6, we're introduced to he. So they is the plural, he is the singular. Or if you're so inclined tonight, she, amen. We are the they... And God calls me and you to be He. Church, the Great Commission is our binding standing order from King Jesus. In Matthew 8, 28, beginning in verse 18, Jesus was clear. He called the disciples and came and spake unto them, saying, All power, and that word there means authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, by the way, when Jesus prefaces this with all authority is given unto me, he means what he's about to say. So after reminding us that he is in charge, this is what he says in verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You consider tonight the Great Commission, the call to go and to tell and to teach. It is a call to go to all the world and to sow the gospel seed. The call to go forth is not a suggested thing, but it is a commanded thing with emphasis. In Acts 1, in verse number 8, we're reminded that, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We have got to understand 
that the Lord Jesus really never even implied a scenario where his people would not be his witnesses. The Great Commission, the call to go and to be a witness for our Savior, is our binding standing order from King Jesus. Isn't it funny how sometimes we do everything but the one thing we're told to do? There was an incident recently at the house, and I believe I told one of the kids, you need to go upstairs and brush your teeth and get ready for bed. And so they left the room, but along the way they decided it would be a good time for me to stop and to pick up Timothy's toys. And so they're in the other room picking up Timothy's toys. And I said, now child, what did I tell you to do? Well, you, you, you said, go brush your teeth, but, but the toys were. But in that child's defense, aren't we all like that? I mean, sometimes, if I know i got to do something, I had to send an email today. I found every excuse not to send the stinking email. I eventually did send it. Okay, it got done. But I didn't want to send the email today. I didn't want to deal with it. And so I was like, well, I'll work on this. And I'll work on this. And I went to the, to the office and I said, Miss Nisa, can I do anything for you today? And uh, then I went to the bottom of my to-do list and I said, well, I'll do this and I'll do this. I just didn't want to do it. Isn't that human nature? Sometimes, isn't it silly? We, do ev- we want to do everything but the one thing we know we're supposed to be doing. And I think sometimes it's amazing how churches seem to want to do everything but the one thing that Jesus told us we really ought to be about. And that is sowing the gospel message to to, to all aspects of the world, to every man and woman, boy and girl. The reality is God desires all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel message. The Bible is clear that God has no delight in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 33, 11 reminds us of that reality. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And then we see God implore, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why wilt thou, why will ye die, O house of Israel. God has no delight in the death of the wicked, but God desires all men to turn to Jesus and be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 3, and 4 reminds us of that truth, reminding us the whole context is us praying for, for authority and people around us. Why? Because it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What do we know about God our Savior? Who will or desires to have all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we talk about what we do. I don't ever have to wonder about the heart of God when I'm praying for somebody to be saved. I don't ever have to wonder if God and I are on the same page. No, Jesus came to do what? To seek and save the lost. To pursue the one. And church, I'm going to tell you, it is our responsibility. It is our great responsibility to continue His purpose. And what was His purpose? To seek and to save that which was lost. The reality is, The world is dying and going to hell. 
And someone has to purpose enough to care. Someone has to purpose in their heart to pursue the lost, to sow the gospel seed. Here's the thing. God has placed us in all sorts of different places. You work in places, shop in places, eat in places that I never will. How many of you go to Rural King? I don't think I've ever been to a Rural King in my life. I I have nothing against it. I just have never had the occasion to go. I know, after church, like six of you are going to be like, I'll take you there tomorrow. (laughs) I heard it's a neat store. You can get popcorn, and you can get chickens, like real chickens, and and stuff like that. I mean, that's neat to me. I've just never been. Um, I don't want chickens, by the way. That's not happening in my house. But you go places. You go places I'll never go. You live in neighborhoods I'll never live. You work in buildings and in locations, and you, you operate in fields that I, I would never have the opportunity to operate in. By the way, I'll tell you this. <laughs> Sometimes what I do actually inhibits my capacity to evangelize. Because as soon as they know there's a pastor around, what does everybody do? Well... You know, you know, preacher, you know, well, da, 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 da. And, and, and everybody around knows that they're as lost as can be. But, uh, man, they'll, they'll put on airs for the preacher. See, here's the thing. God has, God has placed you in a field. Your responsibility is to what? Is to intentionally continue the purpose of the Son of Man. And that is to sow the gospel message, saturate the field that God has given you with the gospel message. Can I ask you this? Did Jesus save everybody he witnessed to? No. No. Boy, the Pharisees heard the truth. They didn't receive it. Most of them didn't. A couple of them did. Nicodemus. Most of them didn't. There was a rich young ruler who heard the truth and went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. You know, Jesus didn't win everybody he witnessed to. By the way, there was somebody that followed Jesus around for three years and pretended to be a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't saved. Jesus didn't win everybody he came into contact with, but what did Jesus do? Everywhere he went, he sowed the seed of gospel truth. Saturate the field that God has given you. Now, here's the thing. Last week we talked about, you know, who are you praying for? We talked about that last week. There there, there ought to be a name. God has, there is somebody in your life. There is somebody in your life. Somebody, maybe you're related to them. Maybe you live near them. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you go and uh, Maybe you go and and they give you your donut every day. They give you your cup of coffee every day. And so you know them. God has placed somebody in your life. Last week we talked about praying for them. And we ought to pray for them. Because if they're going to get saved, it's because they're going to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their heart. That's why. But you know what? This week we're taking the next step. Because we pray first and foremost. But I'm going to tell you. We ought to be intentionally investing in somebody's life for the sake of the gospel. I think somewhere along the line, we got it into our heads that the only thing that evangelism looked like was knock on the door. Hi, I don't know you and you don't know me, but if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? 
Okay, see you later. And I know there's a lot more, a lot more that goes into it than that. But somewhere along the line, we got the idea that that was evangelism. And if it didn't fit in that box, it wasn't evangelism. I'm going to tell you, this thing of evangelism, of bearing precious seed, of sowing the gospel message in the world, it is so much more than just that. That's a part of it. And we need to go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And I'm going to tell you, so long as I'm pastor, so long as the Lord gives us opportunity, we're going to knock on every door in our community every single year. Because they need to hear it. But it is more than just knocking on a door. No, there is somebody in your world that you need to not just pray for, but that you need to intentionally love on, develop a relationship with. Why? For the sake of the gospel. Who is it? Who is it that you can invest in for the sake of eternity? We see here a clear picture of purpose. You know, you really didn't, you read the Gospels and you don't really have to wonder what Jesus' purpose was. You consider the picture of a sower. You don't really have to wonder what the purpose of a sower is. He's going to sow seed and pursue a harvest. I'm going to tell you, church, as bearers of precious seed, it is our great responsibility to make sure that we are pursuing His purpose in the field that he has placed us in. As we consider our great responsibility tonight, we see, first of all, a clear picture of purpose. The sower goes forth to sow. But as we consider this tonight, let's look at this again. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Not only do we see a clear picture of purpose, but I think in this illustration tonight, we also see a clear picture of perseverance. You know, what we have is agricultural or farming imagery. And the picture of a farm work, the picture of agricultural work, is a telling work. First of all, farm work is work. It is work. It is continual work. You don't just throw a few seeds out one day and say, well, I'm done. No, it is continual work. It is hard, often uncomfortable work. It is sacrificial work. What is it that we are planting? You think about it, to plant wheat, you have to sacrifice what could be bread today so that you can have a harvest tomorrow. It is sacrificial work. But I'm going to tell you, when you think about agricultural work, you think about farming Yeah, it's work. Yeah, it's continual work. Yeah, it's hard and often uncomfortable work. Yes, it's sacrificial work, but it is meaningful work. Where would we be without the farmers? Where would we be without those 
who went and sowed the seed and brought in a harvest. We'd be in a heap of trouble. That's where we'd be. Well, let's make the, let's, let's make the application. Spiritually speaking, make no mistake about it, the responsibility that we have been given to be bearers of precious seed requires quite a bit of perseverance. Soul winning and sowing gospel seed is work. By the way, it's continual work. If you think you're going to invite somebody to church or hand them one gospel track and, well, if I'm done, that's going to turn out well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because sometimes you've got to love on people and you've got to work with people and you've got to help people and they're going to promise you, yeah, I'll come to friend day and then they don't. What do you do? Well, oh well, I tried. No, then you invite them to Christmas. You invite them to New Year's. You invite them to whatever you can invite them to. Amen? You just keep inviting them because you never know. You just never know. It's continual work. Loving people, reaching people, helping people. Boy, it's work. It's hard, often uncomfortable work. It's sacrificial work. You know, I don't know that there's ever been a time when I've talked with somebody or sought to invest in somebody or gone door knocking, any of those avenues. I don't know that there's ever been a time that I've done those things and the devil hadn't tried to give me an alternative. You know, instead of doing that, you really could. Oh boy, there's always other options, isn't it? Being bearers of precious seed it's work, continual work, hard work, uncomfortable work, sacrificial work. But church, it's meaningful work. Because I'm going to tell you, the world would be lost without it. I praise God, Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether, whether we come from a Jewish background or a Gentile background, whether we're male or female, rich or poor, bond or free, doesn't matter. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that glorious? But verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If we as the church of Jesus Christ don't tell them, let me ask you, who will? We have here in the picture of the sower and the seed a clear picture of perseverance. I also want to point this out tonight. Bearing precious seed, it also requires that we persevere. Bearing a burden for souls. What we do in bearing precious seed, what we do in, in seeking to, to sow the seed of the gospel message and tell people about Jesus, this is not a professional transaction. Something that we just kind of do, wash our hands and walk away from. No, there is a burden that comes when you care for souls. Twice in the verses that we read, it references tears. They that sow in Tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth. This is not a professional transaction. This is, this is a real burden for real people that will spend eternity 
and one of two very real places. When you look at the life of our Savior, you find that Jesus had tears for men, that Jesus had tears for nations. In Luke 19, in verse number 41, the Bible says this, and when He was come near, He beheld the city and wept over it. Why did He weep over the city? Because of the hardness of their hearts. He knew that they were rejecting God and he knew the judgment that would come. And the Bible says the Son of God saw the city and he wept over it. We know that Jesus on many occasions was moved with compassion for the lost state of men. We see verses like Mark 6 and verse 34 talking about Jesus being moved with compassion because the people were like sheep having no shepherd. I fear sometimes that we have forgotten the eternal value of a soul. I'm going to tell you, there's a burden that comes when we recognize that eternal value of a soul. That man, that woman, that child will spend forever somewhere. Can I give you another thought? Not only is there a burden when we think about the eternal value of a soul, I'm going to tell you there's a burden that ought to come when we recognize the infinite value of the precious seed that we bear. Think about it this way. What if you were asked to drive a million-dollar car? Well, as long as I'm on your insurance, let's do it. Amen? But buddy, if I'm liable, if I'm liable, can I tell you, boy, there would be a great burden in how I handled that responsibility. Church, we're liable. We are liable for how we handle the precious seed that we have been given to bear. Our great responsibility is to bear the precious seed with purpose and to bear the precious seed with perseverance. It's one other thought I want to leave you with tonight. You still with me? Say amen. Amen. Verse 5 and 6. Read in unison, women. The Bible says this. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So number one, we saw a clear picture of what, church? A clear picture of purpose. Number two, we saw a clear picture of perseverance. Number three, we see a clear picture of promise. A clear picture of promise. I love the promise in these verses. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again. Here, that that idea of shout doubtless in Hebrew, uh, they repeat words for emphasis. So literally it is shall come, shall come again with rejoicing. 
bringing his sheaves with him. Very simply put, you can count on the fact that you will reap what and where you have sown. By the way, that's, that's, that's true across the board. But boy, what a precious promise it is here. That if I faithfully sow the gospel, what should my expectation be? If I faithfully sow the gospel, my expectation should be that I would see the fruit of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you, this is more than just a principle at hand. Because there are promises surrounding God's word that cannot fail. We're reminded in Isaiah 55 that God's word doesn't return void. Amen? That it accomplishes the purpose whereunto he sends it. We know from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23 that, that God's word is a powerful part of the conversion of a soul. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We know the promises surrounding God's word that it doesn't return void. It is a powerful part of conversion. It cleanses, it directs, it delivers. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on them, Him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth. Boy, what's that contingent upon? Continuing in his word. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, the glorious reality is God's word cannot fail. And we can rest on the clear promises of God's word. I'm going to tell you, though, we not only have promises around God's word, but we have promises surrounding God's work. As we mentioned last week in depth, it is God and the Holy Spirit of God that draws and convicts men. God will honor His Word, and God is the one who ultimately gives the increase. We've looked at it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, but 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, church, to be clear, the promise here is not about all who hear. Again, not everybody who we give the gospel to, not everybody that we love in Jesus' name, not everybody that we invite to church, not everybody that we witness to will get saved. But some will. Some will. Jesus gave the famous parable about the sower and the seed and the soils. I was actually reading about that in bookmark this morning. And what happened? The sower went forth to sow, and some fell by the wayside. Others fell on stony ground. Others fell on thorny ground. But some, some fell where, church? On good ground. The reality is, in my finite human wisdom, I don't always know what the wayside looks like. I don't always know how stony a ground is. I don't know how thorny it is. Boy, sometimes I totally misread the situation. I don't know about you. I think it's one thing and it's another thing entirely. The reality is not everybody is going to get saved. But some will. And the truth is, we don't really know where God is working or how God is working. 
Sometimes the people who put up the thorniest fronts are the ones who are the most convicted on the inside. We don't know, do we? I don't know exactly where God's working. I don't know exactly how God's working. But the one thing I do know is that God is working. Therefore, I'm going to hold on to this promise. And I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep sowing. Because we just never know where and how God is preparing good ground in people's hearts to receive the gospel. And so we'll just keep on keeping on. Amen, church? Amen. Keep on keeping on. A clear picture with purpose. A clear picture of perseverance. And a clear picture with promise. You and I are privileged to bear the precious seed of the gospel and in salvation in our hearts. But church, I pray we always take seriously the responsibility we have. And it is our responsibility. I pray we take seriously the responsibility we have to pursue the one thing in this life that we can take with us to the next. And that is the souls of the men and women around us. God has given you a field to tend for His glory. There are people in your world that maybe only you can touch, maybe only you can love, maybe only you can tell. God has given you a field to tend for His glory, and it is a field that needs to be saturated with the gospel. It is a field that needs to be watered with the love of the Lord in relationship. And as we bring this study of Psalm 126 to a close, may God help us to ever greater appreciate our great redemption. To ask our great request and to act on our great responsibility as a bearer of precious seed. Father, we